I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Okay. Uh, podcast? Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for putting up with us uh, after our little hiatus there. Um, Thanks for your patience, and it's good to be back. Uh, you found us again, the Sound Logic Podcast, episode number twenty-one, which is tackling the Great Twenty-Eight uh, compilation of Chuck Berry's, uh, I guess, twenty-eight greatest songs. <laughs> Determined by somebody. Determined by determined by somebody somewhere at some time. Record producer. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes. Welcome to a podcast where we talk about albums that were released and somebody said that they were really good. And then <laughs> and then sometimes and this is the second time. There's compilation albums mm. that are songs that people thought were really good and then released them, and then they found their way on this list. And yeah. apparently, you and I both have uh, very specific feelings about that. So that's just uh, that's just foreshadowing. Do we start there? Do we start? I don't know. That's it's just where I'm feeling right now. This was a uh, yeah. It's released in 1982, so it's okay. going to be like disco album inspired by the early 80s. That sort of thing, right? Disco. Yeah, 1982. <laughs> <laughs> Release date. <laughs> uh, but disco was dead by then. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Somebody we should it. be... We should be feeling the same sort of feelings that we had on Thriller, right? Same year release, our birth year. Um, this is not that, though. This no, is but I mean, well, first of all, it wasn't pop. Second of all, uh, the music was recorded 17 years prior, at least 17 yeah. to 27 years prior. So it's anyways, I don't want to. We have some other things. There's other business to take care of first before <laughs> I go on some sort of rant. Um, yeah. But I think that uh, contrary to some of our other episodes, you will be supporting me on my rant. Sure. I hope. Well, I don't know what I the rant is. <laughs> oh, well, I have a feeling you will based on okay. a previous, uh, a recent conversation, but we'll uh, we'll see. Um, so it's safe to say that neither of us have listened to this album. Previously, right. yes. Okay, so that's easy. Uh, what did you think this album was going to be like before you listened to it? I think when I hear Chuck Berry's name, I immediately think of Johnny B. Good. Yep. And I immediately think of Back to the Future. At that point, yep. Um, me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. This is uh, this is an oldie, but uh, well. It's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? So I think I was assuming that it'd be songs in that style. Uh, uh, early rock and roll sounds, um, lots of blues riffs. 
that's pretty much it. How about how about you? Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> uh, two two note guitar riffs. You know, just yep. like uh, I expected it would being a compilation over a decade to be fairly diverse. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I expected it to be um, a little more exciting. Uh, those were my expectations. Uh, riff, and, and I want to clarify, very ignorant preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. Really not having a whole lot of experience with his catalog and anything other than some of the, the very, very popular songs. Roller, mm-hmm. Be- Roll Over Beethoven, uh, Run Run Rudolph, Johnny Be Good, uh, stuff like that. So... Yeah. Yes, I ha- I was I had a preconceived notion, but it, but it was out of ignorance. So it's not like I, well, I guess they always have to be. If you know about it, then it's not really preconceived anymore. But. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's me for that. Um, I, I'd like to do some details before we get too far in. Details, 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 details. This is a, a tricky album, uh, given that it is a compilation album, uh, and it's not something that charted necessarily just because of the way that it was released. Right. So some of these details that we have for other albums have been a little harder to find. We should just start with that disclaimer. So the album is a survey of Chuck Berry's first decade of recording on Chess Records. So it contains 21 singles along with six of their B-sides and one album track from Chuck Berry in London. And then 11 of these singles were top 10 hits and on a Billboard R&B singles chart, and 10 were top 40 hits. So... A lot of great music. A lot of great... What it's saying is that Chuck Berry had albums, but none of these are from albums. Mm-hmm. They're all uh, just singles or... or yeah, they're all singles on chess records. Yeah, a similar vein to uh, Elvis Presley. You know, right. we're talking about early '50s here, when music wasn't really released in the same way. Right. Uh, you know, you'd record a single, you'd put it out, it'd get radio play. You'd record a single, put it out, it'd get radio play, and that's what we're looking at here. Um, so similar to the Elvis album. You know, there's probably an argument to be made to say, look, these songs never really appeared on an album. That's why we can put a compilation album here as sort of a placeholder for a hypothetical album if music had been released in that sort of style in that era. Right. Um, but but yeah, that, that helps provide some structure, some framework as to how this album was put together. I think so. And this isn't this isn't even the first compilation album from chuck berry and if you know i know different record companies do compilations all the time you know and there's ones that might even go under Mm -hmm. the radar but if i'm counting correctly this is the 10th compilation album that had been released for chuck berry first was in 62 (laughs) so (laughs) like you know he'd already made a bunch of music and they're putting this here but i would agree with you that just just in very similarly to elvis they wanted to capture that early sound that wasn't on an album. You know, you would have had to have all the singles and then just keep, <laughs> just keep switching them over. Yes. Keep putting the 45s on. So, uh, 
then the Rolling Stone list, and we'll get to this, I think, you know, wanted to capture, okay, we want to capture how significant that music was, but there was no album, so we're putting this here. Yep. I think I kind of just regurgitated what you said, but... <laughs> no, I think that's that's a helpful reiteration of that. So for writing credits, does Chuck Berry get all the writing credits here? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't even really say. We We would assume that he gets... Oh, yeah. All tracks written by Chuck Berry. I should read that. It's right at the top. Uh, okay. So Chuck Berry wrote them. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, there were session musicians or band musicians that helped. Uh, it didn't... There's there's very little details on uh, the, even the date it was released. I I Google it. I can't find a date. Like, it had to Other be... Other than the year. It had to be released on some... There's a date, you know... It, it wasn't for <laughs> sale, and then it was for sale. So that date right. is the date. But maybe they just kind of started sending it to record stores, and then they started selling it. There was no specific date. I don't know. But that's weird. I've never seen that before, that there's no – especially it's not like this was back in the dark ages. It was in the 80s, so there must have been a date. Anyways, <laughs> there's there's nothing for for sales or um, or charts. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's strange, and and making it even stranger is that you can find images of the back of this album, um, and they have a copyright date of 1984. <laughs> <Okay>. So, <laughs> all right, I, yeah, it's it's perplexing to say the yeah. least. Uh, maybe maybe there was a a second pressing in '84. I don't know. Yeah, it maybe just, it's it is kind of. I found it kind of a strange album in some of these mm-hmm. details, but. But that's okay. Um, yeah. So the artwork, uh, this is, um, again, interesting, very generic, almost, I don't know, it's almost like not much thought went into this. And that happens sometimes. You just put something out just to try and get something out there. Uh, it's It does have a very, very strong 50s vibe for, for what it's worth. It, it does. It, it doesn't really have an 80s vibe, which you wouldn't necessarily want. Uh, okay. There is, um, it's a yellow background on the left is a black and white image cut out of Chuck Berry in a classic pose, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, legs not bent, but bending over playing his guitar, um, his, uh, Gibson hollow body electric. And, um, on a bit of an angle, <laughs> like a slant, yeah. Uh, in cursive red, uh, the great twenty-eight. Underneath that, big, uh, all caps is blue. Chuck Berry uh, mm-hmm. down very small on the bottom, uh, in black, bold, uh, all capital. The original hits, uh, two record set. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. If you're gonna put that on there, why is it in like a two font? You can barely even yeah. see it. It's right at the. It's like don't forget to read the fine print, or you won't know that there's right. the two records in here. And then this is kind of funny on the top. Um, again, on a slanted, but at a different angle. Yeah, it's like oh, the design here. I'm not even a design person, and this is hurting my brain. Uh, there's a. It's like it looks like a zipper. Yeah, or a tired tire mark, mark or, or a finish line. Almost you of the stripe on a taxi cab. Sure. Well, that makes sense With because yellow. it's yellow. Yeah. It's black, so yellow background. And then in the middle says chess record, so maybe that was their 
logo. I don't know. Um, I, I, again, it, it's like the design quality to me is poor and it's very plain yeah. and even it just looks a little hokey to me. Is that, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I out mean, of line it, in saying that. No, I think this is um, almost a trademark of compilation albums. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Let's just throw something on the front. Everyone knows who Chuck Berry already is, you know, um, as long as we put his name big, people will buy it. And hmm. yeah. And that, I don't know. I guess business is business, but that's disappointing to me, especially when it's someone this well-known, you know? Yeah. You know, you may want to put a little more thought into it. Yeah. I guess it goes back to the argument that, you know, artists are just, they're just a, a conduit by which the record company makes money. They're not really people, nor is their art necessarily significant. I know that. I know that's yeah, very I mean, cynical, but, you know, th- this kind of feels like that anyways and there are times when the artists just leave it blank like the white album or (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not like the artist is always necessarily better at putting a design on their work true true yeah i'm not gonna list the tracks just straight (laughs) up i'm not i'm i'm not i'm not running through 28 tracks you know for me i'm just jumping in here for me I can't look at most of these and tell you what they sounded like. They just Oh really? No. Like I, the ones I already knew, but I guess I'd really yeah. have to listen to it a lot. It's I it, none of them just really grabbed me. I, like it's cool. Like hey, it's good music. There's nothing wrong with the music. They're all fun songs. And we've talked about this before, maybe because it's been part of our culture and our lives for so long. And even our parents, like this music was being mm-hmm. made like before some of our parents were born. Mm -hmm. So it's just been in culture for so long and there's been so many things that have come after it and built on it that it's not, it could never seem new to us. So I know that's a challenge when we listen to it. There's a couple of of dynamics here that I think are worth mentioning because of what you just said. A lot of these songs have been successful covers Mm -hmm by artists who came later. Um, Elvis and the Beatles have re-recorded successful versions of some of these songs, and I'm guessing other albums after that. Um, But I think that points to the sort of pioneer nature of this artist and the influence that he had. You know, Rolling Stone, this this list, if, if there's anything that seems to be constant, it's that they love those who've influenced the music world. And... I think when I go through this track list, uh, I think of some of the other versions of these songs when I when I read the titles. Yeah, fair. Um, and and for that reason alone, I think there's something here to these to these songs and their influence. It makes me a little sad as well. Um, you know, I I think probably because of the racial moment that he became a star Mm -hmm. uh it took white artists to make some of these songs more palatable for for some listeners and so you know chuck berry releases a a song and it does okay and then elvis releases it again and it and it explodes um Mm. or or the same uh, for the beatles and uh 
and those ones get remembered then. Um, so there's something significant, I think, about this grouping of songs. Not only for their influence, but because of what that influence also tells us about uh, some of the downfalls of our culture. Um, we mentioned at the opening, uh, Back to the Future. Um, that's a great scene. You know, he he's at his parents' high school dance. Everything has um, been resolved. You know, his parents are together. His his arm is no longer fading away. Sorry, spoilers if oh, uh, yeah. no one's seen Back to the Future. Spoiler alert. Uh, Put that... <laughs> Edit but, that before uh, you start. That iconic, that's Spoiler right. Edit. That iconic line. Uh, what is it? Something like. You know the the guy, the guitarist whose hand was injured, uh, off stage, holds up the phone, screams into the phone for his cousin to take a listen right. to this. Uh, you know, basically insinuating that Marty McFly uh, created rock and roll one night at a dance hall uh, so that, you know, um, this black artist would have this sound <laughs> from this white kid from the future. Um, you know, even in this iconic Hollywood scene, we're also sort of whitewashing uh, Chuck Berry and his influence were saying, oh, well, yeah, Chuck Berry may have created this rock and roll sound, but he, he actually got it from, you know, in this hypothetical movie from this kid, on this white kid on the stage. Uh, who, <laughs> who took, took it from it, him? It, I don't know. It's well, all circular. It, uh, time travel is tricky. It creates a time loop. Don't don't even get me started <laughs> about time travel because I get so mad about it. And Nora says, it's not real. I said, yes, but it could be real. And if it was, all these movies get it wrong. <laughs> Back to the Future, awful time travel. Yeah. End game, time travel, awful. Uh, uh, the only person who I think gets it right is J.K. Rowling in Harry Potter. But let's not go there. That's a totally different <laughs> podcast, one that we don't produce right now. Um, yes, but like, yeah. So there's, there's the. Yeah, um, I can see Back to the Future. Well, uh, Rollover Beethoven immediately made think made me think of the the dog movies from our childhood as well. Charles Grodin. <laughs> yeah. Great actor. Uh, there, and there are others on here where I, I, you know, as the song would come on, I'd get, it would draw me to another memory from something else. In um, pop culture. In pop right. culture <laughs> that didn't really reference that it came from Chuck Berry, but used it anyway. Um, Interesting. Uh, I want to go back to the covers uh, Beatles, mm, yep. that was rock and roll music, um, mm -hmm. which I think I had forgotten that there wasn't a Beatles song. <laughs> um, and what was yeah. the Elvis track? Yeah. Elvis did Too Much Monkey Business. Elvis did Johnny Be Good. Okay, yeah. Um, a song called Promised Land, which I don't think is on this. Okay. And Memphis, Tennessee, mm. which also is on this. But a number of uh, Chuck Berry songs. It's a song called Memphis, Oh, Memphis, Tennessee is on there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just I wasn't as familiar with his versions. But rock and roll music, yeah, I'm very familiar with uh, the Beatles version. Yeah. Um, I think on their first album, which is one we will discuss eventually, since all ten of their albums are on this list. <laughs> I guess I, I should say the thing that I've been holding back and saying, well, I'll say... After listening to about half of these, I wanted to turn it off because they were just all the same. 
That's what. That's the way I felt, and and I felt I uh-huh. felt a little awkward in doing that because I do respect it, and I do like it. it was like I didn't like it. I was kind of bored. I was like, okay, I get it. If I was a big fan of early rock or a big fan of Chuck Berry, or if I had some, if there was some nostalgia attached to it, I mean, again, like we said, this is. I mean, there's music that I like that was from before I was born, but stuff that maybe we grew up listening to. I didn't even grow up listening to any of this. It's even it's even a generation before me. Um, and certainly the culture that I grew up in, my parents and my grandparents did not listen to this kind of music. You know, maybe, maybe you're a person... We talked to um, a friend of ours, Jason Crane, who grew up listening to jazz with his grandpa, okay? Everyone right. was a jazz musician listening to that stuff. My grandparents and your grandparents uh, did not listen to this music or really any secular music because they grew up in a mm-hmm. in a uh, religious culture that prohibited them from doing so. Um, so we had no exposure to it. So there's nothing there's nothing here that's bringing me back um, to any point in my life. So so I'm finding it hard to connect in a different way than some of the other albums like Bob Dylan or or Velvet Underground that not only could I not connect to it but I also didn't particularly enjoy it I enjoyed this it just wasn't exciting to me um, and when I say they all sound the same I know that they're different songs and I know that some of them have different styles and feels but I it to me it all had a similar uh, tone to it yeah yeah that makes sense but uh, how, how do you feel? How do you feel about that in general? About you know the album in general and about that statement. Well, I was surprised by how much more I was feeling the nostalgic vibe listening to this than with Elvis. Okay, I think um, I think it was Ten Fifty Chum. Is that right? That played oldies back in the day. I don't think they even exist anymore. If they do, they do something else. Is that yeah. it? Um, yeah, I remember that. My yeah, they did oldies. Would, my dad would listen to that in the truck while we were driving around. Um, and I think that, I think there was probably a mixture of both Elvis and Chuck Berry, but uh, I think a lot of these songs were on more frequent play at least than, at least in my very, very faint childhood memory. And so there were, I think there were more songs that, you know, my toe would start tapping and I think, Oh yeah, I know the song. Um, I agree with you totally that it does feel very repetitive. I can't, I can't listen to 28 tracks in a row. Uh, I think the way I made it through this album was like, you know, I'd get the, the first verse and chorus and then I'd skip to the next one um, because that's pretty much all you need to know. It's funny saying that even though these songs are only, you know, two to three minutes long. Uh, but, but yeah, there's something kind of fatiguing about them all sounding very similar. Um, even though there are some songs here that, that really do transport me to different moments. So yeah, I, I, I empathize with that uh, and hmm. totally get what you're saying. 1050 Chum mm-hmm. uh, started in 1945, did music, news, and sports. Until 1957, did top 50 hits. And then starting in 86, adult contemporary which I listened to a lot in the car with my mom and especially at CHFI 98.1. So we got a lot of like, I don't know, Neville brothers and (laughs) stuff like that. Um, 
and starting in 89 all the way to 2001 oldies okay. including including uh sorry oldies and also argonauts games and starting in 98 blue jays games huh so we're going to stop playing 80 oldies music right now to give you the jays game <laughs> <laughs> which I can support. And then in 2001, they switched to sports talk for a year. And then in 2002, they went back to oldies. And then in 2009, like Chum is a bunch of different companies in Toronto. Okay. I think you know this. And in 2009, it was a straight rebroadcast of CP24, which is an all news TV station. They just, <laughs> it was a straight rebroadcast of that feed and then in 2011, TSN took it over, and since then it's been uh, sports and sports talk. Wow! And it's AM radio. So I just felt the need to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> to kind of dig into that because you brought a lot of memories. But Chum, I think I think Chum owns a lot of stuff. Maybe it's part of. I don't know who owns it now. Maybe TSN owns it now. Huh. Anyways, there you go. Yeah. Oh, it's owned by Bell. It's owned by Bell Media. So okay. there you go. Uh, okay. Podcast, Chuck Berry. Um, I, again, I, I think for me, the same ones you said. Uh, Johnny Be Good, Roll Over Beethoven, and uh, those two for sure. Maybelline, we should say, is kind of his breakthrough, right? That Okay. That sort of puts Chuck Berry on the map. Um. And that's one that comes to, you know, I can hear that song when I read that title. Uh, sure. Okay. Rock and roll music because of, I think, the covers that it's. it's been yeah. Playing. Like I was familiar with this as a Beatles song mm -hmm. before knowing it was Chuck Berry, which, which has happened with other yeah. artists and stuff. Sometimes that happens. Okay. So we should also point out that uh, Back in USA is on here, which of course is uh, parodied by the Beatles on their Back in the USSR uh, track on the White Album. Um, I think that also draws from the Beach Boys' California Girls. I had thought at one point that the Beach Boys had covered Back in the USA and the Beatles were parodying the Beach Boys' song, but that's not how it worked. Um, the Beach Boys kidnapped Chuck Berry and wrote a song about surfing USA <laughs> and then the Beatles kidnapped the Beach Boys and wrote the White Album <laughs> basically this is just one more excuse to talk about the Beatles on uh, yes. one more episode of the Sound Logic podcast yeah. <laughs> hey we should we should back check that uh, I need to listen to all our episodes to see if we mention them in every episode because I bet you we do <laughs> think we mentioned the Beatles in every single episode of this podcast? Mm, possibly. If at the very did. least to say that, uh, a break from the Beatles or the Beatles next time or <laughs> something like that. Well, which is still mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about some of our memories and really mm. it's pop culture. Right. It's pop culture memories. Um, one more uh, that I think of uh Run Run Rudolph is not on this. Is that a Chuck Berry song? Sure seems like it should be. Or is it like somebody who did a song in the 
It is a Chuck Berry song. style of Chuck. It's a Chuck Berry song. Okay, Same so way. I can't I can't hear that one without thinking about Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> Running through the airport. Yep. Yeah, that's that's any other memories that you haven't talked about already? No, I think that um, all that we've discussed though I think like a number of these artists, it's hard to separate them from their uh, iconic status. Hard to imagine a time before they existed. Hard to imagine right. a world that didn't know this sound. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that makes some of these like preconceived notions and memories all that much harder to discuss. On that note, so is the sound, the music, is it relevant? today well first i think we need to talk about compilation albums oh i did kind of say that (laughs) yeah we do okay uh well who's going first (laughs) i don't have a problem with compilation albums existing first statement second statement i have a problem with compilation albums on this list because i don't think they reflect how great the album is rather than reflecting how great the artist is and some of their songs, because when this was released and in the same way, when sun sessions, it wasn't that the album was a great hit, but it's just capturing, uh, the, uh, the influence or the presence yeah. of an artist in another time period in both cases was two decades earlier. Uh, so has that changed I'd, slightly for you? Uh, no, I think I felt the same way with the sun sessions. Um, uh, it wasn't a significant album release. The the Elvis fans bought it, but the album wasn't necessarily great. The songs were good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was just a it's just a you know we think about the craft of an album and putting it together and putting the songs together and the placement of the songs and you know on on concept albums how they weave together. Mm-hmm. This is just this is just a an exec or or a tech picking the tunes and putting them on. I, I don't, I don't yeah. feel the same significance there. So, uh, I love, you know, like, I love compilation albums. Okay. And uh, maybe it is good that I went first. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's some compilation albums that I have, and it can be a gateway. For example, when I was getting into Pink Floyd, I knew some of the songs, but I didn't know what album to get. And it was before really online streaming. Mm -hmm. So they had just released uh, a greatest hits album. It was a double disc called Echoes. And I went and got it and really, really enjoyed it. And some of the songs I really liked looked in and saw they were all in the same album. So I went and got Dark Side. Mm -hmm. Then I kept getting the other albums. Eventually, I actually gave away the greatest hits didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. So it led me to enjoy the artists more and it was a great album. Um, it wasn't cohesive cause it was from different parts of their career. Yeah. Uh, but it gave a taste of all their best songs. So, uh, and it's like some, some company, like I have Michael Jackson's history. I love listening to that. It's all his hits. Yeah. Um, yep. Steve Miller band. I mean, no, I don't think I know anybody who has a Steve Miller band album except for his like, the first greatest hits album, which is great. Mm-hmm. So many good songs. So I like compilation albums. Uh, your turn. I don't like compilation albums. I, it oh. just dawned on me as you were saying that. <laughs> even great, even greatest hits. I, so I put on, okay. A band that I really love. I put on U2's 
uh, greatest hits albums. And all I can think when a song ends is why isn't the next song from this album playing next? Like, oh, I think, okay. I think for yeah. certain bands, I understand that. bands where I don't really like their discography all that much. I'm fine with a compilation album because it, it gives me their few hit songs that I want to listen to. Yes. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. And I guess, you know, you listed some great examples, others that might come to mind. I never got super deep into a band like Green Day, for instance, but I'm guessing that I would really enjoy uh, Green Day Greatest Hits because, you know, it was a part of my high school and college years. Right. All those songs were on the radio. I don't really care sure. about going deeper into their back catalog. But if it's a band that I like, um, it just feels clunky to move from song to song without the album track lists there. Um, and, and I think for that reason, maybe some snobbery mixed into that mix as well. <laughs> I think I want to hear the way the artist originally intended these songs to be listened to. Um, and so my very small semblance of like empathy, I guess, for the people who compiled this list is that we don't really have an Elvis album or a Chuck Berry album to put in this spot. And so the compilation album gets put there. Both of these artists are a little bit different than if we included something from green day. Um, and maybe that's why they're there and why we don't have, uh, you know, I think uh, rush keeps coming up as an example of a band that maybe doesn't have a singular album that people point to for its greatness, but has so many just, absolutely phenomenal tracks that their greatest hits albums should be on this list somewhere but their their career was during a time when their albums were being released in album form not in an era like chuck berry or Elvis, where singles were i agree with you if you're a fan of the band you're probably not going to buy the greatest hits because you already have their greatest hits but it's a great yep. way to introduce new people and maybe in that sense it's a marketing yeah, I guess. The hardcore fans will buy right. the greatest hits. And new fans who, like you, yeah, I'm not a Green Day fan, but, man, I love all these songs. I'm getting this album. Right, and it just right. happened all together. Yeah. Of course, maybe in the modern era, a greatest hits album is totally useless because you can just download all the individual songs anyways. So That's true. Yeah, who knows about that. Um, so a question for you. Is the music still relevant? Yeah, that's a good question. I think this is still relevant because of its uh, seminal nature. I mean, I think we don't quite understand Elvis unless we also understand Chuck Berry. Um, we don't quite understand the Beatles even unless we understand that Chuck Berry came before them. So a sort of pioneer groundbreaker, uh, we need to have this sound on this list somewhere. And I think that's what makes it relevant. So yeah, I think it's still relevant. Uh, how about you? I think the, the music, because again, the, the type of guitars we use is still the same. Uh, the type of guitar sounds, we still use that in a lot of rock music. So I think, the music and the sounds are relevant, even if the songs maybe aren't. And I think I want to tie that to, is it sound dated? The songs sound dated uh, because of the style and because of the recording quality. But I think still, it's the t 
type is relevant and even though it's dated so we've talked about this something can be dated but yeah. but it's not a problem yep and sometimes it's dated and it is a problem like anytime mm-hmm. i listen to uh electronic drums from the 80s i go this is a problem for me because it sounds mm-hmm. awful um so this isn't a problem yeah, I mean, I think this may be our best example so far yet of separating these two things out about their relevancy and, and their sound yeah. and dated. Because I think this the the dated sound is why we can't listen to twenty eight tracks in a row. Yeah, yeah. I, well, but its relevancy is still there because I think without Chuck Berry, you don't get Elvis, you don't get the Beatles, you don't get all these other album uh, these other names that are at the top of this list. Well, and okay, a diversity too because. Yep. I mean, it, we have we have songs recorded over a ten year span. Um, now pick out twenty eight Beatles songs over their ten year span and listen to them. They're they're going to go from one end to the other. Like there's some that are just going to sound totally different, and we could we could even craft it so that <laughs> we're really picking some kind of deep cuts so that it's just. But even if we picked out the the hits, they sound so different. Where these I found. Uh, from the beginning to the end, sounded more or less in the same era. So, again, and that's mm-hmm. not a criticism of Chuck Berry. That's just the way I felt. So, <laughs> this is album number 21 out of 500. Yep. Uh, well, I guess album number 20 on out of all the albums ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny. We say out of 500, but really it's like out of infinite. Um, yep. uh, up to 2012. Uh, True. Good point. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Taylor Swift would be like in the top 10 somewhere bumping all this. <laughs> Wait, there's no pop on this or country. So was it sound logic at 21? Ben? I think it's probably not sound logic. I said the same thing for Elvis. Uh, I, th- I think I would have much rather had them put a Chuck Berry album. Yes. I understand why they chose this because, you know, the beginning of his career was what changed music, not his album era right. of his career. Um, but if that's the case, then these songs should be on the greatest songs of all time. And I think they are. They would um, be, yeah. They would be. But um, but yeah, I, I struggle with this to be positioned here. And I think I'm going to have that bias whenever we bump up to a compilation album on this list. Well, you're going to have that bias very soon. <laughs> uh, yep. we'll mention that in a couple minutes I agree with you I don't think it was sound logic and I would go as far as to say I don't even need to see this on the list at all um, mm. I would put a Chuck Berry album or maybe even like see they didn't put even put any singles why wouldn't you put so why wouldn't you put the single that has um, you know Elvis's That's Alright Mama yeah. it was an album it was a record wasn't yeah. it wasn't an LP, right? But it was a release, and in a time when there weren't really modern LPs, so to speak, why can't that go there? Or or Chuck Berry's, you know, Maybelline, or whatever, you know. That so, I would put something else in its place. Would I put it this high? Maybe not. I'd put it top fifty for sure, because um, of how significant it is and how far-reaching it is. Um, but no, I I don't think I would put it on. Um, and I wouldn't even put it on the list. So th- I know that's harsh, but again, I would replace it with something else, Chuck Perry. Anything else? Well, 
all of this is making me think about some of the other things we have. You mentioned we've got some more compilations album uh, coming up here, but we also have a live album and a couple of records. And, and so it'll be interesting oh. to see if that kind of a compilation album feels differently for us, but we'll see about that. Is a live album a compilation album? Of sorts. Well, I don't think it is. <laughs> it's a compilation of an artist's songs. It's not no, put together by a producer. A, no, it's a live, it's a, it's, it's a live recording. It's a it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting. Well, we'll have to table that one. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. But, um, exactly. Well, with all that being said, we of course once again want to thank you for joining us on this journey that is the Sound Logic Podcast, and we really hope we join you next time when we discuss. Another compilation album, album number 22, which is the complete recordings of blues legend Robert Johnson. This is going to be another one that I'll be brand new to, so uh, Same. we'll see how it goes. I, I, and I'm curious to see if our respective response to it will be similar to Chuck Berry or different. Me too. And I guess we'll have to find out. And we hope you will find out with us as well. Uh, by joining us again on the Sound Logic Podcast. Until next time, Ben, have a great evening, and it's always great to talk to you. Always a pleasure, my friend. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our Sound Logic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.